What happens when you fail, when things aren't going so well, whether it's your fault or maybe it's just your unfortunate situation? When you start to feel like you're a failure, you may also start questioning your call to ministry. But what if God was still in control and he still had plans for you? Today, we're going to talk about failure. We've all been there. And if we're honest, sometimes it gets really tough to navigate. My name is Steve Cullum, and I've served in student ministry for almost 22 years, which means I have failed many times. But with the help of today's guest, Mike Haynes, we're going to share some of the ways to navigate failure in this episode of Student Ministry Connection. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and have a desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and today we brought back Mike Haynes, a popular guest who's been on twice before. If you want to listen to either of those previous interviews, you can check out episodes 32 and 55. Today, we're going to be digging into a topic that will hit home for all of us. Whether you're a perfectionist like myself or completely the opposite, I think most of us would say that we hate to fail, but there's a problem. We're all human, so mistakes are going to happen in ministry, or we're not always going to succeed like we thought we were going to. So what do we do when that happens? Or maybe we're not always set up to succeed. How do we navigate that? And how do we keep ourselves from believing that we're a failure? Before we jump into any of that, I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this episode of the podcast. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. And speaking of G-Shades, let's jump into this conversation with G-Shades founder, Mike Haynes. Hey, Mike, it's so great to have you back on the podcast today. Hey, Steve, it's great to be back. I love, love getting the chance to, to talk to, uh, what did we, co- we coined a, a, a name for the followers of this, didn't we? We like had that conversation. You, you coined the, con- the, well, the term, know, yeah. yeah. I, haven't, I haven't actually unveiled it yet. If, if you want to, go for it. Oh, no, I mean, I, gosh, I would hate to, I, if this is exclusive, you know, an exclusive, I don't want to be presumptuous about being the one to drop it. But um, I don't know, I just, in you know, student ministry connection out there, you you tell us not what you think, but I think we ought to call ourselves the connectioneers. I really I love that. I think there's it's got some bounce to it. Yeah, yeah. It kind of connects even to uh, 
what's the the Disney the mouse the mouse people they like, like mouse ear I don't know I forget what they're it, called it is something it's um something it's like not that. engineers because that's a real word but it's uh it's something like that Imagineers the people, there we go imagine it, but the people who love Disney were screaming at yeah, their phones they were. just, and just they screaming were. at their phones <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, Mike, I know our our connection ears, if we're going to call them that, will uh, they they are so excited to have you back. Uh, your two previous episodes are still two of our most downloaded episodes of an entire podcast history. So I love that, and I knew that we needed to get you back on, not only because I wanted to talk to you because I always enjoy talking with you um, both on and off the podcast, but our our listeners clearly love hearing from you, and so um, usually we start with our guest stories but because we've had you on twice before and you can dig into to mike's story in those last two podcasts but maybe an update uh your last episode was episode 55 in june of 2020 so lots has probably happened in the last couple of years um even though it probably feels like 10 years because you know covid and all that other stuff but 2020 what's been going on in your life since 2020 Wow. Um, that's crazy. I can't believe it's been over two years. Um, yeah. So the, this is like the biggest, most important thing that's happened in my life in the last two years. And that's that I have dreadlocks now. Um, and boy, that's, that's been a journey. Uh, no, so that, that is actually really fun and I'm, I'm having a good time with that, but, um, man, over the last two years, um, I have, uh, really fallen been challenged by, I think most of us have, but like on a professional level, I've been deeply challenged by and then fallen back in love with student ministry. Mm. Um, and that has happened all in the last two year span, um, just dealing with so much change um, and then being able to go to an in-person model again um, and being able to connect. It, it just, man, absence makes the heart grow, grow fonder, right? And I just, I am so in love with student ministry again in a way that I just, I think it had lost some of its spark in, uh, in you know, going into late 2019, and, and that's back. Um, and really no other big updates. I still have three kids. They are growing, and I don't know who told them to do that. On From a fun standpoint, my wife and I have put our, we homeschooled them through the pandemic, and before that, they were just in preschool. They were young, um, and now they're in public school, and uh, for the first time, really, and boy, we are really uh, having to elevate the amount and quality of conversations that we are mm -hmm. having with our kids to help them navigate that. And so if anyone who's listening is a parent and uh, and your kids come home sometimes and you're like, you're, the kid at school said what? You know, like we are, I'm right there with you. We are having those conversations at home. And despite being a pastor, I at times feel woefully inequipped um, to course, have those conversations. What are, with, what are the uh, ages with, of your kids now? Yeah. Uh, so four, seven, four, seven, and eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're right at that age where their their friends are starting to discover sex and they're starting to discover cuss words and stuff like that. And so we're having to have all kinds of conversations with them about um about that stuff. So, anyways, that's that's the short update on life. But still love G Shades, uh, which we'll talk about a little later. And I still love uh, the parenting things going well. Marriage is awesome. Ministry is super super fun again. Um, so that's the short of it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I can't imagine having. Like I don't have kids. And so I can't imagine having that, <laughs> all the conversations that are probably taking place, especially for that age group, uh, you know, elementary age students. I, I know that even in student ministry, I'm assuming it's probably the same for you is that we were having conversations with middle schoolers that we had with high schoolers back in the day. And I'm sure that that's probably now creeping into elementary school. And yeah, 
as an eight-year-old, you're trying to end this conversations around, like, they're talking about sex now. I'm like, wow, I, I waited until 13 to have conversations. Right. And I still, I remember early in ministry where I had parents coming to me and saying, are, are you sure it's okay to talk to my middle schooler about sex now? I'm like, yes, it's very much okay. But now we're probably having, need to have those conversations with parents yeah. when their kids are like second or third grade. Yeah, it's crazy. We're having there that in middle, by the time we hit middle school, they're having to unlearn some stuff that they've already learned from friends and influences and whatever, right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. So, and there's no way that all of it's healthy. There's almost no way that this shift is healthy. So hopefully uh, we can find a different path as a culture at some point in the near future. Although, you know, who knows, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about failure in ministry. And I just want to make sure that I am clear about this at the very beginning that I did not bring this up. I didn't bring Mike on the podcast specifically to talk about failure. It was a topic <laughs> that that he brought up when we were chatting. So I didn't like, Hey, Mike, we're going to talk about failure when I come on the podcast. Yeah. I know exactly who to call. I know exactly <laughs> who to call to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So why, why talk about failure, Mike? Like what's, what's the importance? Like what, what's the why behind, why should we even focus on this topic? I, I just have had to accept over the past decade or so of like adulting, like I've just had to accept the unfortunate reality that the pathway to success is littered with failure. Um, and it's it doesn't feel like it's that way to most of us. It doesn't feel like other people experience that because we, for the most part, only see their highlight reel on social media. And so everything looks like success. But like the pathway towards success, however you want to define it is usually littered with lots and lots of mistakes, lots and lots of uh, things not going your way, not breaking the way you hoped they would or the way you felt God was going to have them break. And, um, and so because uh, failure is going to happen and is happening to each and every one of us, micro failures in little everyday decision making, but also the larger, more catastrophic failures um, that lead to, to conversations with the church board and senior pastor, you know, like the, oh, you, you know, you left a kid at camp, right? Like the, that stuff happens too. Um, and so because all those failures are happening pretty frequently, it just feels like if it's this big a part of our life, it's probably going to be helpful for us to learn how to navigate it well as, as yeah. youth pastors. That's true. So, so thinking about failure, then, um, stories, stories come, any stories come to mind? Like what, when you think of your, your history and stuff, what failures kind of stories come to your mind? Yeah, I, um, a lot of, a lot, a lot of when I think about failure for me, it's not that I've, since I've come to my not new church, I've been working here at this current church for seven years now, but the first church that I was at a part of, you know, and, and working in youth ministry, man, that, that whole experience was just kind of one gigantic failure for me. Um, it was really, really, uh, it was really hard. And, and if, I don't remember if I've shared that aspect of my story on this podcast, but, um, but that is a huge aspect of my story is that my first experience in full-time youth ministry was a nightmare. And it was a nightmare because of um, the expectations put on me um, by the church uh, that I was working at and then combined with my own inexperience. Um, and so for that church, like they were a church that wanted to grow, like they wanted to grow numerically. They were a young church plant and they felt uh, that desire to grow numerically, that was kind of priority number one for them. Um, obviously preach the gospel, obviously disciple people, but maybe a touch above that if they're, if they were being honest, um, was like grow, um, so that they can have more influence um, in the community where they were. And, and I, and then, so that met that, 
expectation put on me was met with my inexperience. I was 20 years old when I got that position, graduated college a little early, and then went immediately into full-time ministry. Um, and so I was brought on as the youth intern, but by intern, it was really youth pastor, but because I was 20, they paid me like an intern and that you know, in hindsight, I'm kind of like, well, I kind of get that. Um, yep. But yep. it was a full time position. And I just made a lot of mistakes. So just to to come, you know, count through some of them, there were so many times where I drew up these models, these retention models, we're going to do this big event, our kids, our core 15, each of them is going to invite two friends, we're going to have a 40% retention rate from that event. And so, you know, roughly one of the two friends that they brought are going to become a permanent part of our youth ministry. Now we've grown, and then we're going to do a another event three months late. Like I would draw up these models because I had to turn something into the church and then we would do the event. And not only did we not have our kids invite two friends, but only like 60% of the kids that are part of our ministry showed up to the event. You know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. you walk away from the events like that was supposed to be. So like the, I've had those events where you put a lot of work in and then one or two kids shows up. And it's not mm -hmm. that those one or two kids don't matter, but you planned for 10, you know, <laughs> and when, when you planned yep. for 10 yep. and one or two show up, that is a totally different event. And so um, I've had those moments of failure. I've had moments where I haven't shepherded kids well, like where I, there's a kid and they're kind of a troublemaker kid, or they're just not really even a troublemaker. They're just like 14 and they love talking to their friend. And I'm in a bad mood already because of something that happened at home earlier that day. And then uh, that night at youth group, I'm preaching the sermon and, you know, she's over there chit-chatting with her friend about whatever while I'm preaching. And I've had that moment where I have stopped the sermon, looked her directly in the eye in front of everyone and said, shut up, like stop talking, right? And then gone right back to the sermon. That is not the most pastoral thing <laughs> that you could possibly do in that situation, right? <laughs> Guess whose mom was not pleased after youth group? <laughs> so, so I've definitely had a lot of moments of failure, but... Um, Man, the, the big thing with that first church experience was just if you have ever felt the pressure to hit numbers and you have not been able to hit numbers, I have felt that that failure. I felt that before. And um, and some of that is a it might be an unrealistic expectations or even an unhealthy system, maybe depending on your church context. But uh, regardless of how it is, you certainly feel the effects of, of your failing to meet the expectations that were brought on you. And my first two and a half years of ministry was just that over and over and over. Mm -hmm and over again just disappointing my bosses not living up to expectations and them being like well we'll give you another chance but you're not doing a very good job right so i i definitely have experienced a, a fair amount of failure particularly in the world of youth ministry hmm. yeah and i think it's it's so important like i i think back to my early years and there's a failure that i had that <laughs> still haunts me to this day and I can't believe I did it like looking back, but it was, we had a, a, a small group leader who was, was just really overwhelmed with some life situations and some personal life situations. And, and I needed to have a conversation with her. I, my intention was to relieve her of her responsibilities for a season in order for her to focus on her personal life, which I thought was a good decision. But I neglected to have that conversation before our next planning meeting with our everybody together. And so oh. we're dividing everybody up. And all of a sudden she looks at me and we're like, well, what do you want me to do? And I go, <laughs> well, we were thinking of, you know, giving you some time in front of the entire team. I just had this private <laughs> converse, this conversation that should have been private. 
ahead of the meeting, but I just decided <laughs> to go ahead and tell everybody in front. I, it was like, oh my gosh, I could see myself like it's, it was a train wreck happening in front of me. And I, there was nothing I could do to stop myself. Right. From yeah. That it's moment. too late. It's yeah. Too late. Yep. So she was in tears, of course. And I learned a very valuable lesson that day. Um, but then I even think I've had failures, like even a couple of weeks ago, we, we had, it was this last Sunday, as a matter of fact, uh, and we had an outdoor event. We, we gathered around the fire. It was great. And, and it was a simple thing, but I, I forgot our, our church is near a very busy road. And so all of a sudden, lots of teenagers gather around a fire, they're excited and road noise. And we didn't have any sort of outside amplification. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that the song wasn't really heard by half the group. I probably wasn't heard by half the group. I felt like I was shouting the whole time. Those things like that are, you know, still happening 20 years into ministry. And so yeah. failure is still, yeah. still there happening all the time. When I remember, it just reminds me of you like recently. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I could pull something from like, you know, last week. So like, like that just, yeah, maybe this is the podcast. We just go back and forth <laughs> sharing stories of our failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I remember like, like two weeks ago, I was, we were in a Wednesday night. It's a, you know, it's a typical youth group size, 15, 20 kids in the room and, uh, you know, high school students in the room. We were sitting around and we're having a conversation and then, um, and then it became time for the reflection time. Yeah, I'm going to play some music in the back and you guys have your paper in front of you and your pen and little clipboard. And I just want you to take some time and journal through what we've been talking about tonight. Well, I was kind of tired that night and I, I just, I didn't, I just, in my head, I was like, we're going to move from one thing to the next and they're going to shift. They're just going to make the shift. But then we're two minutes into this, to the song playing and the, you know, on Spotify and kids are, are, you know, just talking to each other some kids are flirting from across the room to each other doing sign language or whatever the heck they're doing like kids are just the mood had not shifted at all they had just they had gone from kind of silly and fun discussion but where some serious stuff was talked about but definitely kind of fun and lively and i never transitioned them mm -hmm. into now we're going to spend time with jesus and let's create a sacred space here for the next few minutes just for the next five minutes right and i never transitioned them and then i was mad at them because they didn't do the thing that i didn't lead them to do you know what i mean yeah. so yeah even in, in yeah even even being in ministry for this long there are still definitely so many times where it's like ah, oh, i gotta do better like i can do better <laughs> you know that was not my best work so yeah so so when we talk about failure then I, we've already kind of like alluded to and danced around some of these things, but what are some of the factors that lead into failure that when you think about that whole idea, like what are, what are some of the things that play into failure? Yeah. Well, if, if I were to use my own story of, of being, you know, my prior churches as a baseline, you know, there's the system you're in and that's the support around you, the leadership over you, the vision of the organization, the culture among the staff and parents and all that kind of stuff. So there's the system that you're in. That's one of the factors. Uh, the, uh, another factor is the weight of you that you bring into it. And we forget about that sometimes because, and this is my whole thing, uh, we think our vision is objective. We think we see things clearly and we don't. Um, and it's our vision is shaded and that's that's my whole thing. But like the weight of you that you, you bring in your own experiences, you bring in your own traumas, you bring in your own values, lies that you believe that Jesus hasn't uh, worked through yet in you. And so the, the you that you're bringing into situations that wind up in failure, 
that's a factor. And then the final factor, at least the final one that we'll talk about today, is the truths that you take away in the aftermath of the failure. So I was in a I was in a flawed system. Um, I, I really believe that at my prior church, the system was flawed. But here's the thing: every system is flawed. Um, so since every system is flawed, we might as well not bother spending a ton of time in time and energy on like, oh, the system is flawed. That's the system's fault. Well, every system's flawed. You'll never find a perfect system. So um, if your failures are only a result of the system, then you're going to fail everywhere all the time because no system is perfect. The weight of you that you bring into failure, though, I think this matters a lot, whole lot more, that you have a lifetime of experiences and values and personalities and influences that lead you toward the type of decisions you make. Uh, you know, like you, you have a set of lenses that you see through, right? And they're not objective, they're personalized. And, and we need to recognize this when it comes to issues of failure, because it's going to keep us from solely blaming others or solely blaming the system uh, for our failures. The system is flawed, but we are too. And that's something we have to keep in mind. But mm -hmm. Where I want to weigh this conversation most heavily uh, over the next few minutes is in the realm of what we take away from mm. our failures in the aftermath of them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's huge because I think as a perfectionist myself, I really don't like to fail. <laughs> like I hate failing. Um, I know that there's a positive side of it. I know that I can learn from it. I know that there's takeaways, but I hate the idea of failing. I don't. I, it's, it's my, I mean, I guess it's the, it's the perception from others as well, but I just personally, I don't like to see myself fail. And so yeah. it's important to focus on that other side. Hey, there's, there's this learning experience. There's takeaways from this. So when you think of that, what are, what are some of the takeaways you've had from your own experiences? Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, first of all, I know we said we we're going to talk about the aftermath, but bringing, you know, the weight of me that I brought into that first church experience it's similar to you, it sounds like maybe I had a deep seated fear of failure. That's that's been true of me since I was a kid. Like whenever the classroom teacher would ask, you know, what we're afraid of and like a lighthearted get to know you way, like, oh, kids, what are some things you're afraid of to kind of bond us together? Oh, they're kind of like me, you know, like kids, you know, go around the room and kids are like, you know, spiders and clowns and mummies. Like I'd be that one kid in the in the corner who's like, failure you know like I was that one that one kid who's real dark about it right getting real 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 about it and so that actually played itself out in my decision making or sometimes my lack of decision making I, like I recognize in hindsight that the system was flawed but to have any shot of hitting the goals that that church was asking me to hit I would have I was gonna have to take some risks I was gonna have to go for it and that wasn't the way I played it. I played it safe. I stuck with what I knew, which wasn't all that much because I was 20 years old when I started at that church. And so I was afraid of failure and that the weight of me that I brought into that, right, that that paralyzed me and it kept me, it held me back from making some decisions that maybe would have led to a little bit more success as defined by the system I was working in. But coming out of that that situation, right? I was I was angry. What was what was in the aftermath of that? Like I was angry and I was bitter and I was bitter against the system, right? I was I was also angry and bitter with myself too, though, because I couldn't come anywhere close to doing what I was asked to do. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that I had branded myself as a failure coming out of that ministry experience. That would probably be a touch over dramatic, but the truths that I took away from that experience was that I lacked value that I was unworthy. And, and if I had to share more of my story 
um, that unhealthy way of viewing myself, of seeing myself through those unhealthy lenses played itself out in some pretty tough and honestly a little embarrassing ways on a professional and personal level over the next few years that followed until I was able to find some healing in Christ. But man, I was, I really, really, really struggled with the way that I saw myself in the aftermath of my failure. It, it was, it was a really tough thing. And so we've really got to pay attention to who we are going into challenges where failure could occur, but we also have to pay attention to the way we define ourselves coming out of those inevitable moments of failure, because whether the failures are small or large, that's the enemy is a jerk. He, he comes to, to steal, kill and destroy. That is not just like, like, I know we preach that, but like it's super real. And the enemy will take things that happen in our lives and he will twist them and distort them inside of us. And then it becomes a much bigger problem than it really has to be because now all that mess is up in our hearts. Um, and we have to have that uh, redeemed and worked through by the gospel with the gospel. And so anyways, that stuff can really mess us up. And so it's important that we pay attention to both who we are going into our challenges, but also who we're becoming coming out of our challenges. Mm. That's so good. Cause I think that's one of the things that one of the reasons why I also don't like failing is because I can easily start to equate myself be, because I failed, I am a failure mm -hmm. and like what do I do can easily get connected to who I am. And I think I'm, I'm guessing I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of people that are, that are like that. So even our successes can become, oh, well, I'm a success or my failures. I'm a failure. Like probably both sides of that coin are kind of negative because we, you're not seeing ourselves in the way that God wants us to see ourselves and how he sees us. Um, so when you think to, to all that, you're, you're thinking of healing. How do you come out of, of that in the aftermath of the failure? Yeah, because I, I mean, and this is probably important for some of us because we have a whole lot of failures stacked up in our past or maybe our pretty recent past or maybe sometimes our present, right? And 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 so now it's like, what do we do with that, right? That the lives are already in there, that some stuff has already gotten in, maybe we don't even realize it yet, um, but we will soon if we allow the Holy Spirit into the depths of our heart to kind of discover what's there and expose that stuff to the light, we will discover that there's some stuff there that needs healing. And, um, and, and so, you know, it's my belief that We'll discover greater places of transformation when we see through the lens of the gospel, that when the gospel reality defines our reality more than the reality of our past, our personality, our trauma, our sin, that we will find the kind of inner peace, the kind of shalom promised us in scripture. And so I think in the in the aftermath of failure, um, healing looks like holding you and your failure, both of those things, up in front of a gospel-tinted magnifying glass, and then seeing what happens. Just, just kind of see what happens when you do that. So I want to give a few examples. This is not at all a completely exhaustive like list of, of ways that we can experience healing and find healing in the aftermath of our failure, but it's a couple that I've found helpful in my own personal journey. So you know, part of the gospel, when I hold up the gospel tinted magnifying glass, right, and I hold up me and my story and I hold up my failure, like part of the gospel is that God meets us where we are in our stories to heal, and he wants to heal and restore us. Like, yes, there is healing and restoration, but also he meets us right where we are to walk us slowly toward that goal of completion. This is the reason why it is entirely unhelpful for me as a youth pastor to tell the fun-loving, enjoying life, having a good vibe, enjoying the night, 
overly social, perhaps, kid to shut up in the middle of the message because we call them to where we want them to be, but we meet them where they are. So when we hold that up as a lens that we see our failure through, we may just recognize that the Lord is still right there with us in the aftermath of our failure. Like for, for anyone listening who has failed recently or you've experienced a lot of failure in ministry, it's just not going the way you want, but you're sure that God has called you into ministry. Like I want you to know, and this is for this is the gospel, that your calling into youth ministry doesn't disappear because you let a kid slip through the cracks or because your messages aren't as interesting as your kids want them to be. Like God hasn't abandoned you because you still haven't managed to get a student worship team up and running. The Holy Spirit is still operating operating within you, even after you lost your cool and snapped at that parent who came at you on the wrong day. Like when we fail, right, there's a chance that we'll, we'll just, we just veer because the enemy is a jerk, right? We'll just, there's a chance we wind up veering toward giving up or walking away because we see failure as confirmation that God isn't with me anymore in this endeavor of ministry, but that's just not the gospel. And I think when we hold up the gospel tinted magnifying glass, when we hold up the gospel lens, the gospel shades, I think that's what we'll wind up seeing in relation to our failure. A slightly different like situation, a slightly different way to, to look at it in light of the gospel is that transformation in Christ, you were actually just talking about this a minute ago, Steve, like transformation in Christ is an annoyingly process-oriented journey, right? It's, it's, it's frustratingly process-oriented that you can have deep, significant healing and freedom that you're working through in your heart in one area. And then at, on the very same day that you're seriously processing and being experiencing healing, you outwardly take a step backward in your behavior towards someone else, right? And they're like, are you really even a Christian, right? Those things can happen at the exact same time. It's so, so annoying. And so I, I, I look at the gospel narrative and I look at how long God invests in and walks with his Old Testament people. And I look at the decades long investment of the apostles in the early church movement. I look at the fact that we're still 2000 years, we're, we're 2000 years removed from the resurrection. And yet we're still here as a species discovering and rediscovering what it means to reflect God's kingdom to the world around us. I, it just seems like God is really, really process oriented. And so that's got to color our view of failure because sometimes failure is a result that didn't swing your way this time. Like sometimes your process is reasonably sound. You didn't really do anything wrong, but you still fall short. Mm. Sometimes you play in the greatest event of all time and kids still don't come. And sometimes you create a great parent resource and parents still don't read emails. Like sometimes you invest months and months in a kid one-on-one -on -one and they still make bad decisions. Self-evaluation is important. It's important that we're willing to be honest with ourselves about the decision-making and all that kind of stuff. But we just need to be careful about letting the result of failure dictate core pieces of our identity because failure is a, is a result and our God is a God of process. So again, that's just that's just like another lens. It's just like another way that the gospel can color the truths we walk away with in the aftermath of failure. Um, but let me give one more just because I, I hope it's, you know, just to give a couple of different examples, just so that it's helpful. We can all begin to process our failure this way through the lens of the gospel. I hope that it's helpful. But here's another example. One last example. This one's not even going to be all that long. The other ones, I feel like I was talking for 30 minutes each on those last examples. This one's pretty short. It's pretty straightforward. And that's that like, can I remind us that God's kingdom is going to be fine? Hmm. Like, hmm. 
like, like the gospel tells us that pretty clearly, right? That, that it doesn't all ride on you, that God's kingdom will reign for eternity. That's got to influence. It has to. It's got to influence the amount of pressure and weight that we put on ourselves in the aftermath of failure. Because big picture, the kingdom we're working for in ministry, that kingdom isn't in any danger. And so we don't have to be overcome by shame and despair in the aftermath of our failures because you your failure, your inadequacy, even your incompetency cannot overthrow the throne of Jesus. You're just not capable of it. And so for me and for you and for everyone, list, like I just hope that we can become people who are willing to, in the aftermath of our failure, see through the lens of the gospel so that we can experience healing as quickly as possible and become the people that God wants us to become in Christ. Maybe sometimes that he wants us to become in Christ through our failures. Mm, that's so good. Mike, I, I immediately thought of a classmate of mine that I, when I was, I think, a junior or senior in, in college, and something was going on. And I was really concerned that I, I needed to make the right decision about a certain thing that was happening. And I was so f- afraid of making the wrong decision. And she looked at me and with wisdom so much greater than a 20 year old could have had at that moment. And she said, essentially, how important do you think you are that your wrong decision might influence God's overall plan? I was like, oh, thanks. Oh. Can you please remove that dagger from the back of my <laughs> wow. Okay. But it was a wake-up call that I needed because a lot of times we we are we're afraid that that we will like that something that we maybe do wrong will all of a sudden heavily influence God's overall plan. But like you said, he's still on the throne. He's still in control. Like my mistake, yeah, of course we don't want to plan for failure. We don't want to go for failure all the time. Um, but at the same time, like, man, that's not going to change God's plan just because you messed up, like get back on your feet. And I think it's also really important that I've found we need places to express that failure and to share it with other people. Um, I know I've found out, I don't know about your, your context, Mike, but our students, like the next generation love transparency. They love leaders being transparent. They love just being able to, to share failure. Of course, we need to have to do it appropriately and with proper boundaries, but they love hearing that, that I make mistakes too, and that I'm trying to work through this and I'm learning through this, this process of being a Christian. But a lot of times we don't, we're, we're not working in situations that are okay with that. We're not like, maybe, maybe some of our listeners have, they, they appreciate transparency. They appreciate the ability to talk about failure and to learn from it and grow from it. But they have maybe supervisors that they feel like, man, there's no way I could tell them that I failed on this. And every time I do fail, they're calling me out on it. Like you said, the, your, your situation might be not the, the greatest in that. So when I think of that, I think of the importance of connection. So that's why, why we've changed you know, the direction of this podcast a little bit. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to speak to the heart of maybe some people in our community who don't feel as connected. What would you say to them? Yeah. um, uh, First of all, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, the pandemic was rough 
you know, uh, from a just logistical standpoint or an on-ramp to connection. For most of my youth ministry career, I was a, I went to a conference twice a year, you know, different conferences, and I'd go to at least eight, was some conference, and I would go to a conference twice a year, and and that was kind of helped me to stay connected to the youth ministry community at large. There's nothing inherently wrong with Facebook, but it just feels different, doesn't it? Like it just, I don't know. There's a lot of peacocking on Facebook. There's just a lot of like people giving unsolicited advice. It's not a place where the heart shines through. Mm. And usually there's a lot, whole lot more head than heart on Facebook. And, um, and, and I think, so I, I, my encouragement, I think would be for, for, for all of us, for myself included and in talking to me right now, but like, if there is any world in which you can, can find the resources to connect through a conference of some kind, um, I would encourage you to do it um, because even if you don't wind up having super deep heart level conversations with everybody at the conference, there really is something very, um, very uh, for, for us, right? Even in this conversation, the reason that people listen to this podcast and would listen to one on failure is because it's relatable. And it's nice to know that you're not the only one. And I think we get that when we go to a conference, whether it's a conference of 20 people or 20,000, like we get that, oh, I'm not the only one, you know? Oh, oh, you, you've also told the kid to shut up in the middle of your mouth, you know? Like that's, yeah. there's something that's really helpful for us. But, but if I can push past that and past official events and all that kind of stuff, that stuff's great. But we don't all have um, the budget for it or the personal finances to make that happen. And that stuff can be pretty expensive. I would encourage, I would encourage us to, if we're, if we're limited to kind of our, our youth ministry communities online, then I would encourage us to do a couple of things to increase the connection that we experience in those communities. Um, The first one is to, to stop assuming that you know more than, than everyone else who's posting Um, that recognizing that context is important and will almost never through a, a Facebook post that's 160 characters or less, probably, we're probably never going to like know all of the context behind that person's scenario. It's very possible that they're not stupid. Um, there's just a lot more going on than they shared in the initial mm-hmm. post. And so I think we have to be, I think it's going to be really helpful for us to create a better environment of connection to stop treating, to stop assuming that everybody else is stupid. I would, I would argue, but that there's an unhealthy lens at play there um, when that's our first go-to instinct is to like give someone else advice or to correct them about something they're doing wrong. Um, the second thing though, to take it a step beyond that is that if you find somebody as you're in those communities if you see someone post something, comment something, and they just seem like good people, or they seem like someone you would kind of want to get to know, get to know them, you know, like, like send them a random friend request and then just start a conversation. And like, maybe you only actually send like messages back and forth once every three weeks because you're both really busy and it's not that high priority a conversation, but like, get to know them. And that probably means moving way past the how big is your youth group? And do you have a student worship team? None of that stuff is bad. All talking shop is good. And that's great. But like, like the how are you conversation 
is so much better in terms of connection. It will, I think we would be surprised by how much it does for us in ministry when on a personal level, we have people in our life and in particular people in our life who do what we do, but that's not all we talk about with them who are willing to ask the question, how are you doing? Um, what's going on in your heart right now? What, what are the failures that you're processing through and the lies that maybe you think you might be believing in light of those failures, like having people and, and that stuff doesn't necessarily happen every day, just on Facebook, but it could, I think it could, I think it could, if we stopped, um, assuming that the other person's an idiot. And if we would just reach out and be a little more extroverted um, on Facebook. So if you don't have a point of connection, I would encourage you to to try to take one of those steps that I just mentioned. Um, and I'm willing to be part of that solution because uh, I, I love chit-chatting with people back and forth on uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, just on a personal uh, basis, Mike, I know that that's, that's been very fruitful for me um, to have you in my life in that way. Um, and, and yeah, we don't, we don't talk all the time, but when we do, it's a meaningful conversation for me. And I know that if I do share a failure with you, you don't, I know you don't look at me differently. It's like, Oh yeah, Mike understands. And he's probably got a story too. And we can kind of go back a little back and forth and, and have some fun with it, but also focus on the other side of it as well. And we need those people in our lives that, that understand naturally, the things that we're going through, what the student ministry world involves and, and is not going to look down on us when, when we say, Hey, we're struggling with something. They'll actually say, Hey, how can I pray for you? How can I help you through it? And yeah. that's, that's huge. Yeah. Um, so Mike, I know your, your organization G shades has been a longtime sponsor of the podcast. So we're very grateful for that. Uh, and what you do for the overall student ministry world. So tell us a little about G Shades and where to find it, but also where to connect with you online. Yeah, so G Shades is a it's a passion project of mine, and um, and we create youth ministry curriculum that's focused on helping students see through the lens of the gospel, which is something that I've talked about a good bit in this conversation already. So I won't I won't go into super heavy details about that because I feel like I've already yammered on about that faith paradigm a good bit, but. Um, but it's, it's, it's really, I, honestly, I just love it as a youth ministry curriculum. We use it in my, in my ministry all the time. And, um, you know, it's the video messages and stuff like that. I think the price point is really good for, for the value that you're getting for it and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but you know, you can find it at gshades.org. I would encourage people to, to look it up. If you're looking for youth ministry curriculum, um, or you feel like you might be in the near future, check it out and see if it's a good fit for your ministry. Try to keep it diverse in terms of the writers, you know, different denominations and all that kind of stuff, but, um, definitely try to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, try to keep it central and, and see through the lens of it in all kinds of different areas the students are navigating. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, if you're looking for curriculum, um, I hope that, that, uh, G Shades can be a help to you, but, um, on a personal level, I am uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook too. Um, Facebook. My name is Mike Haynes. I don't really know how to find me on Facebook. I don't know how many Mike Haynes there are out there, but I'm the one with dreadlocks. Um, and then on Instagram, um, it's uh, at Mike E. Haynes. Um, no periods, no underscores, whatever. Just Mike E. Haynes. Um, and uh, we'll put that in the show notes of this episode so that you can... Uh, 
find me if you if you want to find me. Um, I I guarantee you. I talked a little bit about people, you know, are are out on Facebook peacocking and trying to, which is not a phrase that people use. I don't know why I'm using it. Like that's something everyone says. Like I should probably <laughs> define that a little bit. But anyways, people are you know on social media. It's always people flexing. I'll use that word. That's a little more common. I'm hip. Uh, you know, people are constantly flexing about you know their youth ministry and their numbers and you know all that kind of stuff. I I really um I promise you that if you if you follow me on social media, you're I, I'm probably not going to make you better um, as a person or even a youth pastor um, because it's just like I'm just like a guy with pictures of my kids and uh, my little youth ministry playing with a balloon. That was a post that I posted recently. So like it's not going to be the most stimulating Instagram, but if you just want to connect, like that's a really great way to connect um, and just DM me and, and I would love to chat back and forth and we can do the preliminary. How are you? And what's your, you know, or how, the preliminary, like, you know, what, what, where do you work and how long have you been in youth ministry and stuff like that. But as soon as you're ready, like I'm ready to dive below the surface and talk about art level stuff. I, I, just believe in that. I believe in that a big time and um, have come to really value doing that with other youth workers because I just feel like a lot of us are are going through some stuff and we need people to talk to about that. So um, I would love to be a safe person for you. If you don't feel like you have anyone or you, you're trying to find people, I would love to be that for you. And hopefully you can be that for me too. So yeah, yeah that's how you can find me. Cool. Thank you so much. And, and yeah, as we've talked about, I mean, as we change the the direction, the the branding of this podcast over the last, you know, several episodes and a couple months. That's really our our desire is to help people connect with each other. And if you're not connected, um, we are two people that you can reach out to as well. We're going to continue to hopefully evolve and grow and and find more ways that we can help people be connected. So if you have ideas or you're just kind of questioning, hey, I want to be connected, but I don't know even how to go about it. Um, Mike and I are be great people to just reach out to us and let's let's chat. Let's figure it out together. And uh, yeah, we'd love to, to be able to do that for you. Mike, it is always great to chat with you both on and off the podcast. Um, thank you so much for all you do for the student ministry world, for G Shades, for what you do in your local church, uh, for the youth pastors out there. Um, thanks for Thanks for being transparent and thanks for sharing some stuff about your failures today. And um, I just pray that, that God will continue to bless all that you do uh, for the kingdom. Awesome. Stay easy, connectioneers. Is that, <laughs> do we like that as a sign off? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, we'll, I don't we'll either. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Thanks again to Mike for being here for this episode, and thanks to all of you for also being here for this episode of Student Ministry Connection. If you enjoyed what you heard today on the podcast, I want to encourage you to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, but also share it with someone else in the student ministry world who needs to hear these conversations, especially if you know someone who has struggled with failure or is currently struggling with failure. Maybe, maybe this is the episode that you want to share with them. I also want to encourage you to head over to gshades.org and check out their curriculum. And when you're ready to check out, use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. Thank you so much, Mike, again, and all of G-Shades for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you have not followed us on social media, be sure to do that. I am at Steve Cullum on social media, and the podcast is at Student Ministry Connection on Instagram and at Stu Men Connect on Twitter. We would absolutely love to have that follow over there. And while you're there, you can also connect with us 
and let us know what you think we should do for our 100th episode. That's right. We're coming up on 100 episodes really soon, and we would love your feedback and love your uh, your ideas about what we should do to celebrate 100 episodes. So thank you so much for being here for this episode of the podcast, and thanks for some of you. I know you've been here from the very beginning, uh, so thank you so much for your continued listening, but also for sharing this with others who are in the student ministry world who also want to connect and want to continue to grow as well. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode, but until then, remember to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.